Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Solana Podcast. I am your guest host, Joe McCann. And today, I have the founders of Syndica, Daniel and Ahmed. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for having us, Joe. Yeah, of course. Really excited to talk with you guys today about Syndica and Web3 infrastructure more broadly. But to kick things off, why don't you talk a little bit about your, your backgrounds and how you got into crypto? Yeah, sure. I guess I can start from there. My background really is just uh, building scalable distributed systems. was previously a CTO at a startup in Cambridge, uh, solar energy startup, where we built out uh, a great customer management platform and then kind of went on to do some uh, big data work at a startup called Grax. We were backing up petabytes of data for a lot of Fortune 500 companies. And then most recently found my way into Misari and helped build out some of their data ingestion technology for a lot of their aggregation products. And then, yeah, kind of ended up at Syndica. Yeah, on my end, um, been in various operating roles and startups pretty much my whole career. Um, after my last one kind of crashed and burned, I ended up in law school somehow, ended up going into corporate law, which I tell everybody that that was like a, a one of my biggest mistakes and uh, was there for two or three years, actually. And then Somehow found a way into Web3. I was working, I, I landed a role over Twitter with ZeroX Labs. I was working as a researcher, basically just researching DeFi and NFT sectors, writing about those, and then um, teamed up with Ahmed to help launch Syndica. Cool. And how do you guys know each other? We're brothers. <laughs> we go way back. <laughs> yeah. Two brothers. I think uh, I think there's another, or maybe more than one team in Solana that's a pair of brothers that's building cool stuff. So good to see the trend continue. So speaking of Solana, uh, it is a Solana podcast. What actually drew you guys to Solana relative to maybe some of the other chains and platforms out there? Yeah, I mean, I think for me personally, um, you know, I've been following crypto for a while now and coming into the Ethereum world back in like 2017, 2018, was definitely impressed with the innovation in the space, was definitely impressed with the new ways of interacting on the web that Ethereum enabled, but wasn't really impressed with the user experience. And with Solana, when I first discovered it, what really drew me in was it allowed for users to have at least a similar experience to Web 2.0, if not one that was better. And that's what really got me to invest heavily into Solana was the fact that, you know, it was a, an actual chain that can allow users to migrate easily into the Web3 world without having to thinking about gas fees or when I should mint this or when I should do this transaction for the most optimal um, lowest fee in, in transacting on the chain. You know, Solana kind of simplified all that. And also it allowed you to not even have to think about the underlying blockchain, you know, that was actually running the smart contract. So when a transaction occurs on Solana, it almost feels like a Web2 native app. Um, and I think that's kind of the beauty of it. It, it really is the, the first blockchain to be truly accessible to the world where the same kid in Africa can participate in the blockchain as much as somebody sitting in New York. And so I think that's what makes it a big, big differentiator compared to other blockchains. Yeah, you, you, you raise a really good point around user experience. And I, I think up to this point, we have seen a lot of academic and engineering-led product development in the you know broader Web3 smart contract platform space. I'd love to kind of get your take on the focus on user experience. And we'll get into Syndica's product in a second, uh, because I know you, you both heavily focus on that. But why do you see user experience as such a critical 
piece to onboarding more people into Web3. I think user experience in general is really important for any product, regardless of Web3 or Web2. It's just important for any, any product to be adopted by the masses. You need to have user experience that is familiar, that feels natural, that allows users to easily achieve their goal of whatever it is they're trying to do on your platform. You know, me focusing in on it uh, specifically, you know, while I was at a, a previous startup, a lot of our users were actually the elderly. So at our solar energy startup that I was a CTO at, the target demographic was actually majority um, seniors, like around 70 or so years old, uh, that wanted to just do something good for the environment and were willing to sign up for this really complicated actual solar energy <laughs> uh, shared solar farm plan where they would get credits on their bill and they'd have to do some math to figure out if this was worth it or not. You know, there I really realized that, okay, we need to focus on the user experience because for these seniors to actually use this online platform, it needs to be one that is just simple. It needs to be intuitive. People need to be able to jump on and know exactly where to go and what to do. That experience right there really taught me personally how much user experience matters to, to the end user and, and to achieving your goal, basically. So I think every DAP, uh, maybe they're not focusing on it as much right now, but I think every DAP, as the number of DAPs increase, will have to start to focus on that because it's just going to get so much more competitive. And whoever can provide that better user experience will end up winning the, the race, essentially. So that, that's my take on user experience. I completely agree. And the kind of light bulb moment I've heard a lot of people have, particularly on Solana, is when they used Radium uh, for the first time. And it was just kind of this really immersive experience. But we've also seen some of the, the challenges with Radium from an infrastructure standpoint on the network. For those of the listeners who aren't familiar with Syndica, can you kind of just give the elevator pitch for what Syndica is and, and what you guys are looking to accomplish with Syndica? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess really what we're trying to do is build the backend for your backend list apps. So there's a concept and in, in obviously in smart contracts or in, in Web3 really that is that these smart contracts are running without a backend, which is true to a certain extent because there's no real server, right? It's just the client application code interacting with the blockchain through an RPC node. But you know, for it to scale, for it to reach billions of users, there's going to need to be some basic Web2 primitives that need to exist in Web3. And some of those primitives include just the bare infrastructure like RPC nodes. Some of those include also like load balancing, caching, things of that nature. Those you cannot eliminate from a backend or from an application stack. And so they kind of need to exist. So we want to create a product that allows DAP developers to focus on just the DAP itself. They don't have to really focus on the infrastructure layer. They don't have to focus on the caching layer. They don't have to focus on optimization. What they really should be focusing on is having a single uh, layer to communicate with the blockchain for their dApps and also have a layer which provides you with insights through logging and analytics that allows you to understand what's working, what's not working, where are users actually using the product, how are they using it. Just insights that really allow you to iterate and improve on the product is something that we want to provide DAP developers. So I think that's kind of lacking in the ecosystem and, and hopefully we can provide that. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree. I mean, from the Web2 cloud computing world, we've had you know well over a decade of observability best practices and application performance monitoring and log analytics. 
And I remember, I think the way that we actually met is I, I tweeted something, um, I think in the spring or early summer of 2021, where I was, you know, being that cliche guy saying, we're so early that we don't even have logs. And it just sounds like such a fundamental aspect to being <laughs> able to just diagnose and monitor a basic application. But here we are in Web3, and we just really don't have that um, that core infrastructure in place. Can you talk a little bit about how Syndicate aims to, you know, first kind of bring some of those Web2 primitives into Web3? And then what is unique to Web3 that, um, you know, Syndicate is going to offer to their customers as well to kind of enhance the experience of monitoring these applications? I mean, I think the first step is building scalable infrastructure, like, you know, full stop. Before anything, dApps need to stay alive. Before anything, dApps need to be able to handle any traffic and scale up their infrastructure as needed, right? So that's like the first base layer. Past that, we can talk about optimizations and caching and what we can provide through APIs to dApps for them to be able to have a better user experience. I think the first layer of just having scalable infrastructure is something that yet has uh, to exist uh, thus far. And so we're trying to provide that. In terms of like what Web2 primitives, you know, we think kind of can be brought over into Web3, I mean, obviously the observability aspect of all of this, being able to look into your dApp from an aerial view is something that we're really focused on. And we want to provide a developer experience that is one probably just as good as a Web2 developer or for a Web2 developer, if not um, even better. You're bringing over some of the Web2 primitives. What are things that are more Web3 native that Syndica wants to surface for DAP developers? I mean, there's so many ideas that we have, um, so many features in our in our kind of backlog. Uh, but some of the basics, I think, is just being able to index account level data. So there is so much data on the blockchain, right, that accounts hold. And just to be able to have that data readily available without the need to parse it, without the need to actually pull it every time from the blockchain, because a lot of this data, you know, remains the same. It doesn't change as often. And, you know, providing that kind of a layer or that kind of an API, I think, is something that is really important. And we're, we're working hard to, to kind of provide that kind of a layer or that kind of solution. One thing people fail to realize in Web3 is the scale of, of requests are actually a lot greater than in Web2. And people kind of forget that. And the reason being is all the data that you need lives on chain. And this chain is continuously changing every 400 milliseconds. So you, 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 know, you as a application or a dApp developer have to keep that consideration in the back of your mind as you're building these dApps and have to remember that every 400 milliseconds this data changes and I need to refetch it. So, you know, a traditional application may make, you know, maybe 10 requests, maybe five requests at the very most. You know, the, the idea is to limit how many requests you make when an application first load, you know, on a front end first load. But in, in the DAP world, where we're, we're making like potentially up to 75, 100 requests, um, you know, in one go. And so it's, it's a very different level of scale that you have to kind of work with. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, the, I think I saw a stat the other day for the hundreds of millions of requests that were being sent to RPC pools in such a short amount of time, it's really hard to, to grok the scale of the current set of dApps just on Solana, let alone more broadly Web3. Given that you guys are an infrastructure company, what really made you want to 
build out what I think some people would consider maybe like an unsexy kind of business, right? You're you're offering infrastructure, you're behind the scenes, you're not out there with some you know snazzy UI for some new DeFi protocol or something. Out of all the things to do in Web3, you know, why did you and Daniel decide to just focus on this very obvious problem that needed to be solved, but not necessarily uh, in most cases like the sexiest problem to, to solve? Yeah, I mean, I can speak to it and I think Daniel can also add to it. I think we're, what we're really trying to build out is the cloud of Web3. So to me, that's sexy. <laughs> Maybe not to, to the average Joe, but yeah, I, I like I like the cloud of Web3, right? And then secondly, I think, you know, for me to build out the products I want to build, you know, I have uh, ideas about protocols, I have ideas uh, for dApps. You know, I'm the type of developer where if the base is not set, either I need to find somebody that provides that base, some API, some layer that exists, or I need to build it myself. So uh, Syndica really came out of a need for myself, right? Like how is a developer or an efficient developer in Web2 going to build or have a similar experience in Web3? And so that's kind of the need um, that I'm trying to uh, solve for right now. And I think, um, yeah, all those those points are great. Yeah, you know, I think there's so much more that we could do and we can provide, and I'm sure we will in the future, but at least for the short term, we're, we're definitely focused in on, on infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's it's really about giving as many DAP developers as much leverage as we can. And it's about creating a platform, right, that will power the next generation or the next wave of, of applications that have billions of users. And the opportunity to do that was, was just too huge to pass up on. So it's really about empowering others, I think. And that's kind of, you know, where the cloud of Web3 comes in, because that's what the cloud did for Web2. Yeah, that's awesome. It's super noble, too. I mean, one of the things that I always look for in new developer communities is how quickly uh, developers are building developer tools and infrastructure for other developers. And, you know, Syndica is, uh, is one provider today. There are other providers out there. And I do think, at least currently, the pie is so big that there's plenty of space for others to play out there. Can you talk maybe a little bit about how you guys differentiate Syndica relative to, say, some of the other providers uh, out there today? So I think, you know, at the very base level, we're providing scalable infrastructure. So our infrastructure scales as you need. You connect to the single endpoint. You don't have, you know, a few dedicated nodes that are being load balanced uh, through some, uh, you know, uh, load balancer that you've set up. It's just literally one single endpoint you're provided with some access token that you can pass through a header or you can pass it through the URL itself. And we kind of take care of the rest. So I think one differentiator is just having a very scalable RPC pool is something that we are not really seeing in the ecosystem just yet. And then secondly, I think the observability piece. Um, no other provider in the space currently is providing any kind of observability into their dApps and, and giving any visibility into what's actually going on, let alone what's going wrong, right? Like we have no insight right now as to any um, you know mishaps within the dApps and, and what the users are experiencing. So I think providing that kind of a layer is really important in, in Web3. And that's kind of what's differentiating us right now. And I think we're really building out a product versus a service. We see a lot of other people, they're building out services, right? They're renting metal boxes and then kind of reselling them. 
we're building a product that allows Stapp developers to be efficient and great developers in the Web3 ecosystem. And so I think that's what makes us a little bit different is, you know, we're really trying to build Dapp developer tools that really empower Dapp developers to build great products. It's interesting because, you know, as an infrastructure provider, you're you're pretty much application agnostic. You're really just enabling, like you said, these Dapp developers to be building really whatever they want. But I got to imagine you guys probably see a lot of interesting data coming in from your customers and the various dApps that are that are utilizing uh, Syndica's infrastructure. Have you started to notice any patterns or trends of, you know, maybe it's like certain times of the week or there's an NFT drop and all of a sudden, you know, some uh, service is really getting hammered or has anything really stood out that you know you, that the outside world really wouldn't see because they're not building a company like Syndica that you know is interesting to you? Yeah, I think the answers lies in the data, right? And we haven't actually even gotten to the point where we can dive deep enough into the data to be able to decipher what are those interesting anomalies that are kind of occurring that we don't even really see. But one thing I will say is that. Every DAP is built different. <laughs> um, some are built better than others, and some utilize really good, you know, best practices and and use the right RPC methods. And some use really bad RPC methods and are you know poor user experience for their users. So I think just kind of uh, looking at the data from just the RPC level, I guess I could say is that you know we have some insight into you know, what kind of a DAP provides, what kind of a user experience. And I think that that is something really interesting that Daniel and I were talking about just the other day. There's still a treasure trove worth of information and insights that we can really dive deep into the data and really extract uh, once we get there. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, Solana, um, as Antonia said, is, is blockchain at NASDAQ speed, which implies there's a lot of very interested financial parties in the space that are evaluating Solana and looking to lever it for crypto and, and Web3 more broadly. Does Syndica have a, you know, a specific cohort that they're primarily focused on? Meaning, do you have like the majority of your customers just focused in like financial services or is the majority focused on like NFTs or is there anything like that or is it just really across the board? Yeah, I would say it's definitely really across the board. We've had financial services firms reach out to us, um, some of the biggest names in the TradFi world. Uh, we've had NFT projects reach out to us. We've had lending protocols from you know any kind of on-chain messaging protocols, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, anything you could really think of, they've kind of reached out to us and, and are either on the platform or on our wait list in our private beta. So yeah, it's really interesting to see that really quickly, the world has figured out some kind of use for Solana and, and building out a product on Solana in, in a lot of different ways. DApp developers are using their creativity like we've never seen before. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really wide variety. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things that's the most exciting to me about Solana is I think Kyle Samani had a really good talk about this at the Multicoin Summit not too long ago about this concept of composability and what Solana really unlocks. And it's great to see just a myriad categories of, of dApps being built on Solana. And you're able to see that through Syndica. People always ask me, you know, hey, what's the difference between a validator and an RPC node? And for those uh, on, in the audience that are listeners that are listening in today that may not know the difference, would you mind kind of just sh sharing the difference between those two 
And then secondarily, do you guys have plans going forward to offer validator services uh, or staking services? Um, or are you really going to be more focused on um, you know, scale of RPC and, and other areas of interest for uh, the Web3 cloud? Yeah, sure. Um, and I can start with the differences. Really, the only difference um, in between a validator and RPC node is that an RPC node doesn't vote on the next block. So that's pretty much the only difference. Um, aside from that, it pretty much does all the work that a validator node would do, you know, aside from, like, like I said, voting, essentially. So it's still process intensive. In fact, it's more resource hungry than, than a regular validator in the sense that it's even serving up millions of or thousands of requests. Uh, potentially per second, you know, millions per day, and and it's it's taking up a lot more resources. So RPC node, is, yeah, is pretty much an, a, a validator minus the voting. In terms of our plans for the future, look, I mean, I could say there's 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 just a lot. There's a wide array of ideas that we have internally that we've discussed. A lot of customers have reached out to us asking us those same questions. And I think if the right partners come into play and, you know, they're asking us to build out some kind of a framework for validators, it's definitely on the table. Uh, I think we're, we're definitely open to it. So uh, I don't want to say that it's 100%, you know, in the product uh, roadmap, but yeah, we're, we're definitely open to it. Yeah, sp- spoken like a wise co-founder of a startup where you don't want to be doing everything because if you do everything, you'll, you'll really be doing everything mediocre. Uh, no, I think that's really smart. Agreed. Do you think that from like the developers that are kind of flocking to Web3, have you helped kind of shape a lot of the the best practices on infrastructure with Web3? Or is it still so early and, and new and we're still solving a lot of problems that it's difficult to kind of identify these best practices? I mean, I personally haven't been able to identify a lot of them beyond some of the obvious stuff. But I'm curious, you know, given that you have customers that are actively using Syndica every day, all day long, are there certain best practices that developers that are new to building on Solana um, that will need scalable infrastructure um, should be adhering to? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, pre-planning your account data structure is, is really important. You know, making sure that you understand, first of all, from a rent perspective, um, how much that data is going to cost you. Because as it you know scales, it it can get costly, right? And then also thinking about the actual RPC methods that you're going to use when trying to query the data from the blockchain. So you know, like the very famous get program accounts RPC method that everybody talks about, uh, extremely expensive call uh, on on the node, and it's sometimes in, in in some occurrences can actually slow down the node so much so where it starts to fall behind the network. So avoiding that specific RPC method, I think, is really important. And then also, uh, I think WebSockets, uh, you know, it, though it's a great idea to have streaming, you know, data coming in and, and having your, your app, you know, kind of refreshing automatically, I think exploring other ways to provide similar experience is, is probably suggested, at least for the foreseeable future, um, just because of the WebSocket experience and, and the validator right now is not that great. So I think those are the three Major points I would say to start off with is, yeah, thinking about account data structure beforehand, you know, think about rent, think about how you're going to actually utilize the RPC methods to query the data from the blockchain. And yeah, I mean, I think that those are kind of like the, the biggest, biggest points I could point out to right now. That's great advice. Yeah, the the follow-up question then is, you know, in the Web 2 cloud or even, you know, just standard software development in general, maybe even Web 1 to some extent, 
we've had you know decades of performance and load testing capabilities that are relatively you know tried and true at this point where you know you really want to pressure test your app's ability to handle you know a certain amount of load and you know it was probably i don't know 10 15 years ago where you know if a website launched some product and it crashed it was like oh it's such an amazing accomplishment and then like very quickly that turned into oh my god i might lose my job as a cto if the website goes down right but the difference here is, is that to your point, like most of these dApps are back-end lists. They primarily uh, talk with the chain uh, and the front-end is actually where a lot of the, the, like, the client logic actually takes place. So how can a, you know, a, a developer coming into the space that's relatively new, that is accustomed to thinking about including performance and load testing in their applications, how can they kind of map that to a Web3 environment, whether it's with Syndica or something else? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think with load testing, what you're going to be doing is load testing the chain, right? That's the that's the, really the way you could load test on, on a dApp. I think, you know, Solana is inherently being load tested every day by users around the world. And we've seen events occur in the past where the chain has slowed down or has uh, come to a stop. And we've seen the Solana team relentlessly come back and patch these bugs and, and get it back up and running ASAP. So I think the load testing aspect of it is already occurring and it's in real time. So that, that's the thing. That's one thing people forget is like, you know, we're building the world's most scalable distributed database that has ever existed, you know, with, with, you know, finality and consensus in 400 milliseconds. So I hope people understand that, you know, it's like everybody agreeing yeah. to what this database's state is in 400 milliseconds across the globe, every 400 milliseconds. So it's a very big endeavor to take on. And I think w that inherently just comes with load testing in, in a real live environment. But in terms of your, like your front end, right, I think building dApps where, or building frameworks around testing, and I think Anchor has done a great job as well, you know, just being the, the main go-to framework for the Solana ecosystem, you know, writing out rigorous tests on your front end to make sure that your, at least your UI is functioning properly. At least, you know, the, the, the base core functionality that you expect your UI to perform is actually occurring because there's actually money involved. It's really important that you provide that for people. We have to remember that, you know, we may know kind of how the blockchain works and know that unless we sign a transaction, we won't lose money, but there's going to be a subset of users that are going to come on chain that if they don't see a number on the screen, they're going to freak out, right? They're going to have a heart attack. Like what happened to my money? You know, it's not there anymore. Oh my God, I lost it. Um, so we know this, right? We know we have to sign a transaction for the money to move, but users coming in initially will not know this. And so we have to think about how are we going to provide a really great experience for those users uh, to feel comfortable enough in Web Web 3 and, and to continue to use Web 3 and interact with Web 3. So I think that's that's something that we really have to think about. Yeah, I agree. And there's another aspect to building you know, any application uh, on the internet that uh, we haven't discussed yet, which may not necessarily be in Syndica's core wheelhouse, and that has to do with storage. And so, you know, a typical application in a Web2 or cloud environment has three basic components, you know, with some nuance there, you know, network, compute, and storage. 
And today, a lot of the projects, particularly in the NFT space, struggled with using storage providers like Arweave. And by the way, this isn't a judgment against Arweave. I think they've done an amazing job. It's just that the scale has just been so intense that they're also working hard to, to keep up with it. I'm curious though, because if you're a customer and you're say using Syndica and it's an Arweave related issue, how do you guys think about making that path easier for your customers, even though it's a third-party external dependency that you don't really have a lot of control over? Yeah, I mean, I think storage is going to be a problem in this space, at least for the foreseeable future. There is a lot of different projects out there that are trying to solve this issue. And, you know, we don't really want to endorse any of them or really, you know, push developers to go in any any direction. But I think using what's kind of out there right now is kind of your only real option, right, is to what everybody else is doing is kind of what you're going to the way you're going to build your DAP. One, because it's just familiar um, and there's some resources out there. And then two, you want to use something that's been tried and tested and that has some proven scalability factor to it. In terms of providing an off-chain storage solution, one thing we have to remember is like we're on this, and I explained this yesterday to uh, one of our candidates that is applying for a job, uh, we're on a swinging pendulum. And on one side, you know, we, we kind of swung all the way to this complete centralization, which is like the Googles, the Facebooks, the Amazon, right, where they have all your data, you're locked into their ecosystem, and that's pretty much it. You have no other choice. And then we swung all the way to the other end, which is complete decentralization, which we saw a lot with like Ethereum. And we saw everybody running, you know, everybody in their grandpa and grandma running a node uh, on a USB stick. And, you know, what we, I think what we're going to see is that pendulum kind of swing back and forth a little bit. And it's going to kind of settle somewhere in the middle where certain aspects of an application that need to be decentralized will be decentralized. But then certain aspects of an application which can remain centralized will probably remain centralized. Not the whole internet can be decentralized and on-chain. I think maybe in the future it can, but where we, where we stand right now with the current limitations and, and the current laws of physics <laughs> will not allow you know uh, everything to be completely decentralized. So I think we have to keep that in mind as we build out these experiences. You know, what's important to decentralize? Is the actual, you know, ownership of an asset or what that ownership represents. So I think keeping that in mind is is really important going forward for anybody building, um, you know, a, a protocol around storage. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, there's, I'm of the belief that decentralization is is a spectrum. And as long as we're on the appropriate vector towards decentralization, it's not necessarily some sort of destination, but the journey that's getting us there, right? And ultimately, yeah, there's trade-offs in in both directions, um, centralized versus decentralized. And I know it's been a hot topic in the Web3 uh, crypto community for, for quite some time. And I do agree with you that there's nuance to how decentralized something should be. But speaking of decentralized, you talked about potentially you know hiring a candidate. Can you talk about a little bit about the team? You know, where are you all located? How big is the team? How big will the team be in you know six to twelve months? You know, what are you hiring for? If somebody listening is super interested in what you guys are doing, like how can they get in touch with you? All that good stuff. Uh, we're hiring very aggressively right now. Obviously, software engineers, uh, researchers, kind of across the spectrum. So you can check out open roles at syndica.io slash careers. Uh, we've got them all listed there. 
in terms of the team as it stands today, uh, we're, we're definitely engineering heavy and, you know, we like to be that way. The cool thing about Web3, I think, is that you can accomplish a lot with a pretty small team. Uh, so we're currently under 10 people. And I know there's other examples of projects in the Solana ecosystem. I think Sabre is maybe still at four people or, or was at four people recently, which is, you know, obviously one of the biggest projects in the ecosystem. So um, that's where we stand right now. In terms of hiring plan, I think a lot is in flux. Um, we'll, we'll sort of make those decisions as we as we go along, but definitely looking to grow at the moment and and you know potentially double in size uh, over the next month or two. So hiring aggressively if you're if you're interested in you know our mission to build the cloud of Web three, definitely reach out. That's awesome. And is the team? I'm assuming it's remote in nature, or you guys centralized in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're we're for the most part we're remote. We do have some team members in Houston and. We have an office here in Houston that we, we work out of together two or three days out of the week, but we're, we're a remote first company and uh, definitely looking for, for candidates from across the globe. Got it. You mentioned um, Sabre and I know those guys as well. It's such an amazing accomplishment. I feel very under-engineered when I chat with those guys. They're so smart. What they've been able to ship in this short amount of time is super impressive. What are some of the other projects that are exciting to you in the Solana ecosystem that you could that you just like generally and or could see benefiting from some of the work that you guys are doing at Syndica. I think I'm really excited by this one project, Dialect. I was really, really blown away with the whole on-chain messaging, you know, idea. And I was like, okay, this is because because we're an infrastructure, right? And like messaging is just something, you know, that every application will need. Uh, to provide provide a better user experience. So I was really excited by that. And then also, I think there's one project, it was essentially payroll via Solana. Uh, it was like a drip, drip payroll, essentially. Zbeck protocol? Zbeck, I was just about to say Zbeck. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's the one. Z-E-B-E-C, yeah. Yeah, really, really cool stuff. I mean, I, I think... Like when I see like real world, you know, applications being bridged and and brought on chain, that's what excites me personally. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm all I'm all for the DeFi. I'm all for like you know the Sabers and Orcas, Mercurials. Like I love what they're doing, everything. But I also am really excited by just seeing these real world applications being bridged onto the chain. So I think that's really exciting. Coming coming from zero X, I'm also like really excited about the intersection of DeFi and NFTs. So, I mean, kind of both those categories interest me. One, one that we talk, one of the teams we talked to is Bridge Split, which is basically you know allowing you to fractionalize NFTs. And I think a lot of people, when they think of that, they think, oh, okay, cool, I can fractionalize my my board ape or or whatever it may be, my JPEG. But um, if you assume, like I do, that NFTs is going to encompass so much more than than JPEGs, something like Bridge Split gets really, really interesting. So um, I think that's a cool one. I think another thing to mention is like, I, I forget where I read this, but I thought it was a great, um, great way to think about it. Solana is kind of like the, the iPhone moment for crypto. And, and by that, what I mean is like, it's, it's basically, you know, you, you can't predict what all is going to be built on Solana just yet. Just like you couldn't predict all the apps that would be, be built on the iPhone, you know, when it first launched in whatever, late, late 2000s. So you know, I think that's the other cool aspect of this is like every single day there's something new, there's something interesting to learn about. Um, and there's some entrepreneur or founder or developer that's just like building something that could, that, that could change an entire industry. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and uh, out of those companies, I'm familiar with all of them that, that you recently mentioned. I mean, as an angel investor, I see a lot of really fascinating and interesting projects um, 
in Solana particularly. And, you know, I do dabble in other, other chains because there's just interesting stuff happening all over the place. But what I've found is, and I agree with you on dialect, for example, is you're, you're basically trying to create Twilio for web three. And I just don't know another chain or platform as it stands today that could enable something like that. And the, the, the work that, that Dialect is doing with on-chain messaging is, is incredible for a couple of reasons. One, it's infrastructure, which I'm a big fan of because that enables other app developers to build on top of it. But two, it gets back to user experience that we talked about earlier. Uh, push notifications or messaging, over-the-top messaging is just a table stakes feature of Web2 and mobile apps. And we just don't have those today in a somewhat decentralized manner. And so if someone can actually go build that out, that's a huge win longer term. And it unlocks so much additional value for, for app developers. I also agree on the, the payroll piece, right? Like how cool is it to get paid like every 400 milliseconds as opposed to <laughs> twice a month, right? Like, yeah. and that, that money can be diverted into, you know, various um, investments straight away where you don't even have to think about it. You could be earning interest at a compounded level that you just couldn't before. And then, you know, I talked with, oddly enough, Luke and, and Mary the other day from BridgeSplit. This is an awesome idea for collateralized lending of your NFTs. They've got a lot of really interesting products that they want to go build out. And again, I, I'm not saying you couldn't go do this on another chain, but the fact that it's happening on Solana is just testament to the, the breadth and depth of applications that can and ultimately will be built on Solana. So I'm, I'm super bullish on, you know, frankly, every one of those uh, projects uh, that you mentioned. And I'm actually really excited to look for what comes out of the next hackathon uh, because so many of these projects have actually come from hackathons. Do you guys actually have any plans uh, in the short or intermediate term to start engaging with some of those teams that are going to be um, building uh, projects in the hackathon? And I, I do understand intimately that you guys have been overwhelmed with customer demand as it stands. So I'm just curious, like, does that fitting in into your roadmap to help kind of the the new group of a new cohort of hackers that'll be hacking in in the next Solana hackathon and those going forward? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're trying to get to public beta ASAP. So hopefully by the next hackathon, we're able to provide that RPC layer for a lot of these projects coming out the gate. Um, and I'll say, uh, yeah, more broadly, we definitely have plans to be involved in more of the developer ecosystem and just, yeah, provide that uh, support and that infrastructure for DAP developers and give them a really solid entry point into Web3 through Syndica. So that's kind of uh, our goal is to yeah support developers and allow them to build better products. Yeah, the uh, the last the last hackathon I participated in as a judge, there were something like 538 or so submissions, um, which was something I hadn't prepared for to wow. evaluate uh, that many of them. But it's really cool to see kind of the breadth. And I know that a lot of other projects, and this is actually one of the cool things about the Solana ecosystem is that teams that build, you know, protocols and, and various projects are actively giving back like immediately to the community to help prop up the other set of developers. I, and I love that you guys are going to be involved in that as well. Do you have uh, any plans, you know, beyond, you know, you talked about, um, you know, you've been writing code, you've got all these ideas for protocols. I mean, I got to imagine you probably don't have a lot of free time to be hacking on side projects. You know, maybe you do, but what would you love to be able to go build based on what you know now of what Solana can actually unlock for an app developer? Wow. Um, that is <laughs> that is a loaded question. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, no, 100%. Um, you know, I think Daniel mentioned something really interesting to me the other day about unlock protocol. That's so funny. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> oh, really? Wow, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that that was really cool to see what they're doing in terms of allowing access to uh, or, or basically creating like a, a content paywall really in Web3. And I think that's that's really cool. And, and you know, I have a lot of ideas around that. I, again, I'm, I'm more of the infrastructure guy, which is like, hey, what tools could I build that other DApp developers could use to then make their user experience better uh, or enable them to succeed in, in whatever way possible? So uh, I think, you know, protocols around uh, developer enablement, uh, I guess you could say, is something that I'm really uh, heavily looking into and and uh, excited for in the future. Granted, obviously, that I can get some time to to hack some some stuff together. Good luck with that. As a former founder and CEO myself, <laughs> uh, I went years without getting to hack on anything. Um, well, oh, look, but... this was an awesome conversation. Uh, thank you guys so much. If folks listening want to, you know, get in touch with you, follow you on Twitter, um, what's the what are your Twitter handles, and what's the best way to get in contact with Syndica? My Twitter handle is one ULTD. So the number one and then ULTD, um, short for like unlimited. Um, but yeah, Daniel, go for it if you want to give yours. Yeah, my, my, my Twitter handle is at D4BBA. Um, and you can follow Syndica. It's Syndica underscore IO. And if you're uh, interested in, in one of our roles, you can DM us directly at Syndica is hiring. Um, that's, the, that's the Twitter account. Uh, so me and Ahmed both have that on our phones. We check that all the time. So if you're interested in any role, just DM us directly. There you go, folks. You heard it here first. There's your job opportunity to work at Syndica. Well, thanks, guys, so much. And enjoy the rest of the year hacking on Solana. And thank you for listening to the Solana podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having us, Joe. Yeah, thanks, guys. It was great. 